Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. Hi, this is the Dill and Friends podcast. I'm Deborah, Dylan's mum. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you like the show as much as I do. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of Dill and Friends. Gee whiz, what an absolute treat I have for you today. He is a 293-gamer, 516 goals for the Geelong Cats and the GWS Giants, Three-time All-Australian, three-time Premiership player, including a Norm Smith in 2007, two-time Geelong leading goal kicker, and uh, more recently, and more importantly, he has taken the title of the unofficial ambassador of Bronte Beach. Stevie, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Big fan, no doubt. G'day, Dill. Yeah, I am a big fan of the podcast, so um, it's great to be in. (laughs) Thanks again, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, As the show works, mate, I like to explain how we know each other and how um, we became such good mates. Um, (laughs) Uh, as of your memory, I think officially it would have started uh, back late last year at Mitch Duncan's Bucks Party, where um, you basically just ripped me for the majority of the day for having a shit podcast, and um, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but it, uh, it wasn't great for me. Hey, just uh, it's a sign of affection when you when you um, someone once told me when I first turned up to Geelong, I think it was Brendan McCartney, I'm assistant coach. I said, "Why are these blokes giving me so much shit?" And he said. Mate, be worried when they stop talking to you, or don't give you shit all at all. Hundred percent. That is actually very true. I know that um, as a fact. I cop up most days and get bullied. Um, hey, Charles, always. Uh, I'm always in the office, mate. But um, I, I think you might not remember this, and I, I'm hoping you do. But um, there's actually a backstory to which happened six years earlier. I'm not aware. Eh? Okay, you, you, you might have stamped it out. My debut versus Geelong came on as a super sub. I'm at half forward. I've got Stevie J to the left. Jimmy Bartel to the right. Okay, these are the days when you didn't have to have the 666. Yep. The boys are off the back of the square. Typical arrogance, Geelong. They've tried to run some off the back of the square. Stevie's paying me absolutely no respect. But as you know it, center clearance, straight into the forward line. I'm 50 meters clear of any opponent whatsoever. Pick up the pick up the ball, first kick, first goal. Stevie J, how'd you like those apples? I have no <laughs> recollection of that. I've got the vision. Armfield knocking it forward. Gives an opportunity here. Buckley. She had some pace. Fantastic. First kick in footy. First goal in footy. What about that? And Dylan Buckley has come on and kicked a goal. It was one of the good moments of my life. Um, the celebration took it out of me. And um, fun fact for those playing at home, both my debuts against Geelong, both followed by missions a week later. So um, <laughs> s- stiff, but not really. Very stiff by the sounds. <laughs> Mate, I want to touch on your career because that's why you're on the show. Um, early days, obviously, you were taking pick 24 in the 2001 draft, super draft. Yep, yep. Did you slide? Uh, yeah, I was a bargain yeah. at pick 24. 100%. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um, the first few years of your career, though, were a bit slow. You were in and out, few indiscretions and whatnot. How do you how do you sort of wrap that up? Yeah, I, I, I came in... Um, uh, I was very fortunate to be drafted by Geelong uh, back in 2001 and um, 
I guess when I first started playing AFL, I still wanted to sort of live that country boy lifestyle where you, you go and play footy and, and you go out and enjoy a good time. Um, and unfortunately, uh, after my second year when my career was just starting to take off, um, I had a really strong pre-season leading up to Christmas, but um, I had the uh, infamous uh, Torquay pub incident yep. where I jumped over the, the back fence to get back in when there was a lockout yep. and uh, shattered both my ankles. So... Uh, from that day, I mean, um, for the next two or three years, I really battled injuries. I, I had um, in those those next three seasons, I had I think in total eleven operations. Um, so that was on the on all the, on your ankles, or I had seven on my right ankle, one on my left, and then I think I had you know, three or four arthroscopes on my right knee. So I was an inconsistent player, um, but I really wasn't giving myself the best chance to to fulfill my potential so i would play on the weekend um basically would never train and then i'd just turn up again i was a young player that was still trying to uh, earn my stripes and i guess i was classed as being a bit inconsistent through that through that period and back to that incident because i have spoken to a few of your mates about this is it true you've been kicked out or asked to leave Mm. you've agreed and then tried to come back in thinking that you're going to jump back in, land, <laughs> land in the circle you're with your mates, grab one of the beers, drink it, just pretend nothing happened. Uh, it's not quite true. <laughs> it's a good story, though. Um, no, what happened was I actually had a couple of mates that come up to, um, to Geelong for the weekend and, and we had a going away party for Mitchell White, who was a you know, premiership player at West Coast, spent a couple of years at Geelong. So... We, uh, we went there for the Christmas party and to, to send him off and I took the boys along and then um, they wanted to go into town, into Geelong and um, so I said, let's go outside and get a taxi. We'd had you know, we'd had a big night but um, <laughs> we walked out um, and then we couldn't get a taxi. There was just no, uh, no taxis around and I said, well, let's just, boys, it's going to be hard to get a cab so let's just go back into the pub. When we went to go back into the pub, uh, they said, no, it's a lockout. Uh, you boys aren't allowed back in. No, they weren't letting anyone back in. I said, well, I've heard of people jumping the back fence here and you just get straight back in. Um, and uh, so we went around the back and it, you know, when I call it a fence, it's probably more of a it's probably a roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the toilet block at the Torquay pub is pretty high. Yeah. So um, Two stories, is that true? Yeah, it's, or it's, yeah, it's pretty high yeah. up. Um, and I didn't anticipate how high it was when I leapt off uh, and I was first to go. I should have let one of my mates go yeah. uh, first, but uh, I took the, the leap and uh, there was a big roar in the beer garden. And uh, as I landed, I I knew it was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, it was a you stuck mass- it? I stuck the landing perfectly. Yeah. If I was a gymnast, they would have given me a 10. Yeah. I landed it perfectly, but um, there was no give. It was straight onto the concrete and oh. I, knew I'd, I knew straight away I'd broken at least one of my ankles yeah. and just walked straight to the the entrance because I seen the bouncers walking towards me. I didn't want to make it fast, walk straight out. Um, yeah, not one of my fondest memories. What happened? Did you go to the hospital that night or did you just sleep it off? No, actually, um, I walked outside and uh, Tom Harley uh, walked out. Um, I think someone must have said, look, Stevie's in a fair bit of pain. So he, he actually came outside the, the pub and uh, his, his girlfriend at the time and him drove me back to, to his house uh, and that night I just was trying to ice my ankles and I stayed at his house. So um, I was in a bit of d- denial. Um, the next morning I woke up and I went down to Eastern Beach to go for a walk in the water thinking that might help, but I, I really I couldn't walk. So um, 
I had to go and uh, call the doctor, uh, get x-rays and call the coach, Bomber Thompson, and tell him what I'd done. Mm. Um, and I can still remember when I called him and he'd spoken to the doctor after I think they'd already got the x-rays back and Bomber rang me and he said, Stephen, this is going to cost you millions of dollars. <laughs> That's what he said. I still remember it clear as day. I didn't really know what he meant by the yeah. time I sort of... Um, I don't know, I was looking to take the positive out of it. He yeah. thought that I was a good enough player to maybe have a decent career. But, um, yeah, the, the x-ray showed that I'd completely shattered my right ankle. So it was um, um, in the in the next few uh, week or two, I you know, had surgery to repair it, but the surgeon gave me some pretty grim um, news saying that um, there's, a, there's a possibility you'll never play football again. Oh, so yeah. that was tough to, tough to hear. Yeah. That's nuts. Um, because then, obviously, you did play again. That's yeah. why we're here. But that 2007 was when you'd sort of started to come back in that preseason. You had a really good preseason. And again, there was one more off-field indiscretion. But yeah. before we get into that, 2007, you've had a good preseason, off-field incident. You start the year off in the VFL. Geelong had a shaky start to the season. At the end of that year, you're a premiership player and a Norm Smith medalist. So take yeah. us back now to that started that two, 2007 season yeah well there's a it's probably a long story but um the way it all sort of went down was uh at the end of 2006 i went home at christmas time and uh, got myself in a little bit of trouble um which resulted in me uh, being given an internal suspension by the club uh, i wasn't allowed to train with the players for three months i wasn't allowed to play until round six and i, I wasn't allowed back back to the club until i could earn the respect of the players and they could see that I was doing the right thing and wanted to um, make the most of my career. And it was a kick in the guts when I first got that um, that suspension, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me realise how important football was to me. I always had a dream of, I wanted to be a, uh, not just an AFL footballer, I wanted to be a successful one. And um, whilst I was a little bit angry for a couple of days with the leadership group and, and those guys that uh, handed me down that penalty, I thought, well, I'm I'm really going to try and turn my career around here uh, and make the most of it and give myself every opportunity to get the best out of myself. So what I did is I took up boxing with a uh, local boxing uh, coach who was former um, Australian champion, Mick O'Malley. I boxed with him uh, three out. days a week, Mick. Uh, very, he was very important for, for that period of time. I uh, boxed with him three days a week for, for an hour at a time. I'd also... Um, go down before VFL training and I'd box with Ronnie Watt the other two nights and then um, every second so I, I could train with the VFL but it was I mean they were training with the local clubs mm. um, through the week the local club would come in and train with the VFL so I was I'd turn up at night to train with them every couple of days and on the other days I would ride my bike you know from Geelong out around Bowen Heads Ocean Grove I got extremely fit yeah uh, I wasn't allowed, I couldn't do too much running because I still had the the ankles the the ankle and knee issues at that time so i had to find other ways to get fit and that's what i did and when i got back to playing in the vfl i played as a midfielder i got really fit and i think the original suspension was you can't play for the first six rounds but um geelong had started the season poorly as yeah. you mentioned and it got to round five and i said to bomber i said you said it was the suspension was, was still round six. He goes, yeah, I think that's right, actually. Uh, you're in. Because <laughs> um, they'd just been beaten by North Melbourne. He was under the pump. Yeah. And um, 
<clears throat> it was a good time to come into the team because we went to Etihad Stadium and beat Richmond the week I come back by about 150 points. And um, Stevie J factor. It wasn't me. <laughs> it was a good time to come in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then everything just flowed from there. And I, I was yeah, just playing the best footy I ever had. And I was I was uh, professional in the way I went about it. I, I didn't, uh, didn't have a drop of alcohol for the whole year. I swore off the alcohol until we won the premiership. I said I, I won't drink for the rest of the season. That was from Christmas. Um, yeah, I just... I, I lived a very healthy lifestyle yeah. and I recovered and um, I was getting the best out of myself and that ended up in having that uh, premiership success and being able to, you know, I got named All-Australian for the first time that year. Yeah, it was huge. And obviously that year as well, you guys beat Port by 100 and... 119 119 points. points. Yeah. That's, yeah, you obviously... Yeah, it was a big win. It was a big day. <laughs> and Norm Smith? Yeah, well, I, I, I get reminded by... A lot of people now they say, well, anyone could have won it that, that day. You won by twenty goals, but I do have the medals. So. <laughs> That's great, mate. Talk me through those premiership days because for that five, six year, seven year period there, the Cats was just incredible. Like you guys were pretty much dominating every season. You only, you won three flags from it, but you could have had easily four uh, or five. Um, who were some of the most pivotal teammates in those premiership years? Obviously, besides yourself. Uh, no, I played with uh, a lot of unbelievably good players. Uh, that's one thing I'm uh, very grateful of. Um, reflecting on my time at Geelong in those premiership years, got to play with some of the best players of all time. I mean, Gary Ablett is who I consider the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it's very hard to compare players in different p- positions as well. Like uh, I think Matthew Scarlett will go down as... One of the greatest fullbacks of all time, and in Geelong people's eyes, the greatest fullback of all time. Um, and then you got Corey Enright, the best halfback flanker the game's probably seen in the last 25 years as well. So there's good. I mean, there's star players right across the board. Uh, we just um, all come together as a young group. We worked extremely hard. We trained uh, with real intensity. We we trained like we we wanted to play. We were physical. We were often in scuffles at training up in each other's faces because we were so competitive. That's mm. what drove us and what made us a really good team. Extremely competitive group of players that um, pushed each other and when it all come together and clicked, um, we just felt every time we went out into the field that we wouldn't be beaten. Mm. And do you reckon it gets... Is it harder after you win your first premiership? Does it get does not that a premiership's easy, but does it get harder with the expectation, or do you get more confidence from that two thousand and seven? Yeah. Uh, no, you definitely. I think you get more confidence. Yeah, yeah, because you know what you're doing is right. You see that uh, the rewards you get from, you know, you know, for myself personally, I I was a player that was a little bit inconsistent, wasn't necessarily highly respected from my teammates uh, because. I wasn't always that selfless player I needed to be. Um, but uh, in 2007, I come back with the attitude of I just want to earn the respect back to m- back of my teammates. Mm. And what I what I tried to do uh, more than anything was try and just pass the ball off. I just didn't want to have a selfish tag. Yeah. So I'd pass the ball off as much as possible. I think that year I uh, led the competition in um, goal assists. And at the end of that year, I just I just felt felt the the respect growing and that was a far better feeling than you know 
having having the odd game where you play really well and then having a poor game. So, you know, that success you get and the, the respect you get from your teammates, you just want to keep earning that. Yeah. And that's what that's what we did. We knew what worked. We continued to um, drive each other personally. We wanted to not just be a good team, but be a great team. Um, so we never really had a, a hangover. We, we come back from 2007. 2008 was probably our best year. We just got yeah. done in the grand final. Yeah. So it was a pretty good period. I think we won over 90... 90 something games out of a out of 100 yeah that the leadership group i suppose like you, you you know now that you're a coach you can only have such impact on a group but the player leadership group at that stage must have been the strongest yeah it was a very strong group um a lot of those guys um you know went through their own challenges early in their career mm -hmm. but um by the end um they were the ones that uh, knew what it took to also be, become successful and get the best out of themselves, and and they drove the culture of the club. Um, didn't the coaches probably never really had to um, set the expectations on the group? They just had to coach the football team. Whereas the player leadership group, you know, led by Tom Harley and Lingy and Scarlett and those guys. I mean, if you stepped out of line, you'd know about it straight away. Yeah, that's huge, huge. Um, Two thousand eleven. So. The prelim, you hurt your knee. So the prelim, yep, yep, and it's a eight, nearly an eight week injury. They've 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 doubted. You've got the one week off before the grand final. How did you think you were going to get up? Uh, no, I think we actually played the next that that next so week. A seven day turnaround. Yeah, it's it yeah, it's a week. Jeez. So um, no, I was in massive doubt. Um, there's no doubt about that. I um, when I went down in the prelim, uh, I've never been in such excruciating pain. And I thought I'd I thought I'd done my knee, but I, there's a picture of me on the sh on, yeah. I was actually on the stretcher, but uh, I'm saying to the doctor I could feel my knee like I seen my knee like completely shift, you know, to the side yeah. of my leg. Um, and it just happened that I um, as I straightened my leg, I dislocated my kneecap and I'd torn all the connective tissue around my knee. So there's a fair bit of damage there. But um, when I went in to get an MRI on the Monday. Uh, I hadn't done too much damage to my ligaments. I think I sort of stretched my medial ligament a little bit, but my ACL and everything was in place. So they said, if you can keep the, the swelling down and be able to handle the pain, which you obviously can um, get treated for by the doctors, yep. um, you'll be a chance to play. But I, I, you know, I couldn't even walk up the stairs at home or... Um, I remember my wife not being too happy because it was, uh, I think it was two days before the brown loan, she'd organised a dress, her makeup, <laughs> everything, and every other year I'd get suspended. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to go. And that year, she's probably finally thinking, this is my oh, time. This is my yeah. time to go to the brown loan. And then I got injured. So I was on the couch watching it, icing up my knee. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I went, when I was in a hyperbaric chamber for the week. I went in there three or four times, uh, had a fitness test. The day before the game, so I remember that with the helicopter going yeah, over the ground. Yeah, there was um, I think it was about three choppers yeah. above the ground. I I turned up to training on the Friday and I had to do a fitness test, and I think I'm no chance of getting through this fitness test. Um, anyway, I went down into the doctor's rooms down the hallway. He put some injections in my knee, and I was thinking, surely this is not going to numb the pain. Um, within about 20 seconds, I've stood up after he put four injections in my knee yeah. and I said, I jumped up and down. I couldn't feel it. I said, I'm going to play. And I ran up and down the hallway. Um, 
I couldn't believe it. And then I went out to do the fitness test and um, there was, there was choppers hovering over the ground and Taylor Hunt, they'd um, organised him to to come and um, put me through my paces. Yeah. And I was, got along pretty well with Taylor. Um, we were good golf buddies. I said, listen, Tails, you no chance of playing, so just <laughs> just go easy on it, right? Don't be a hero. Anyway, I looked, I looked, I looked in great shape. Yeah. He, he sort of sat off me. I was marking the ball, uh, dodging around witches' hats. And then, um, so I passed that test, but then the next morning, you know, I obviously had four injections in my knee and I'd put my knee through a fair bit. So I woke up grand final morning in a fair bit of pain and, and a bit more swelling and... I remember walking into the breakfast room. We stayed in Melbourne at a hotel, and I, and I uh, walked down there. And I limped. I limped into the room. I'm thinking, "Geez, these boys are going to be looking at me, going, how is he going to play today? Or should he be pulling out? Is it selfish if he does play?'" And I went back up to my room, put the ice machine on again, and Chris Scott called me, and he said, "Can I come and see you?" And I thought, "Oh, if someone's seen me, and he's going to pull the pin on on me for today." And uh, so I quickly ripped the ice off my knee and uh, he walked in and he said, how are you feeling? I said, well, to be honest, I'm pretty sore, but if the doctor can do what he done yesterday, um, when we get to the MCG, I'll be right to play. Because I was I was also caught, um, conscious of making the right decision. In 2009, I played a, a grand final and I probably shouldn't have. I um, We won the grand final and that was lucky, but I, I didn't have any impact. And part of that was because Stephen Baker shut me out of it but I had a really bad hip I had surgery only about three weeks before that grand final played the prelim and was really sore and I didn't have an impact and that played on me a little bit but mm. I so I was conscious of making the right decision uh, and Shannon Burns my best mate uh, he was the emergency that day ah. so he'd been warming up and I, I didn't know until about 40 minutes before the game when the doctor gone into the doctor's room to get the injections and um, and you know they worked again so I had to go back and tell, tell Burns he you, you better put your suit on. I'm going to play. Yeah. Um, and went out and... Um, That's hard. It was a big day. Mm, big day. Big yeah. day. And um, who's, who got Rob Moore, Burnsy, or you for the Norm Smith on again on that day? Uh, on two, In 2011? You should have won it then, surely. Oh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I uh, No, we had some pretty good players. I think Jimmy Bartell won it that day. Uh, Joel Selwood could have... Easily won it, so could Tom Hawkins. Jimmy Bartel, um, I, Jimmy Bartel says that you come up to him sometimes and say that you should share it. No, I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> Have you been talking to Jimmy? Or you just <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, I was I was lucky. Oh well, not lucky, but I was I was happy to actually you know contribute and kick a couple of goals that day. Yeah, and with four goals, four goals, yeah, four snaggies, and you nearly didn't play. Gee whiz. Thousands of Aussies trust Aussie Broadband to keep them connected to the world, even when they're on the go. Because as well as reliable home internet, Aussie Broadband also offers flexible mobile plans with super generous data allowances and no locking contracts. Their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help you make the switch. It only takes a few minutes. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Search Aussie Broadband Mobile to find out more. T's and C's apply. Um... Mate, 2008, we touched on it earlier, but obviously against the Hawks, you said it was probably the best year you guys had as a team. Um, it didn't happen on the day, but post that grand final, you didn't lose another game to the Hawks for, I think it was, seven, was it 17 games? I'm not too sure. Um, it was definitely a lot. 11 or 12, yeah. maybe more. Yeah. Uh, that was after Jeff Kennett came out and said, we've got them, uh, the, 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 the Cats mentally... 
but that wasn't a big motivator. We were just filthy, you know, we were filthy after losing that grand final. So maybe it had an impact the next time we played them. But yeah. then after that, I mean, it was just, we, we love playing against them. Big games. They probably love playing against us. A lot of the time, it probably come down to a bit of luck. Yeah. Like, we, we won a few of those games after the siren, so it could have gone either way. They were great games of footy. And, yeah, I mean, on reflecting on my career, aside from the finals, uh, they were the best games to play, and we used to pack out the MCG. Both teams played a really good style of footy. It was tough, um, skillful, um, and the games were always close. Huge. Mate, you're well known for your, your banter on field. It's um it's some of the best. Um, you got your sledges and obviously some infamous ones there. I'll ask you of the ones I've heard and you can okay. tell me if they're true or false and maybe set the scene for us. Yeah. The cash or credit. Yeah, that's um it's true. Yeah, so I but it has I mean it's grown a few legs yeah. over the years and I've <laughs> you know, I actually just let it go now. Yeah. I mean, it's quite funny, but um you know, I was playing on Campbell Brown and it was our first game against the Gold Coast Suns up there. Uh, I think it was our first year. It was 2011. They were beating us at half time, and they started getting really lippy. They're young players, and um, I was walking back past their huddle, and I said, "Don't get too carried away, boys. We'll we'll come over the top of you." And uh, anyway, so there was as we we're walking off at half time, and Campbell Brown was sticking his chest out, and uh, in the third quarter, I. Uh, Ran back out onto the ground and Campbell Brown come to play on me for for the start of the third. I took him deep and kicked a couple on him straight away. <laughs> and within about 10 minutes, we were back in front um, and running away off the game. And then late, late in the last quarter, uh, I think I'd just kicked my seventh. Um, <laughs> Campbell, I walked back to Campbell and I said, uh, how do you want to pay cash or credit? And he didn't. He didn't actually acknowledge it. He didn't say anything. I said, "How do you want to pay cash or credit? I accept either." And he still didn't say anything. Um, and what I was going to say to him was, um, "How do you?" And when he when he was going to say, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. I was going to say, "For the lesson I've just given you." Yeah. <laughs> but um, he didn't say anything. So what happened is he's gone back into the rooms after the game, and he said to Gary Ablett, "He goes, what would Stevie Johnson be saying? How do you want to pay cash or credit?" And Gazza said to him, oh, that'll be for the front row tickets to the Stevie J show. <laughs> and that's the way the story's sort of grown legs. I like that so one I better. Sort of yeah, that's good. yeah, that's a good one. Um, what about going into a, in a game against the Bulldogs with a bit of a flu on Bob Murphy? Oh, yeah. Bob uh, Bob and I used to have a, uh, a bit of banter. It was always friendly banter. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can go out in the, the field and you can say things that you'd um, probably look back on and, and not too proud of, but... Mm. Sometimes you can just go out there and you just have a bit of enjoyment, and um, that's the that was certainly the case when whenever I played on Bob. Uh, there was this one day we yeah so we played at Eddie Head Stadium and um, Bob gave me a fair leg rope, so I was pushing up the ground, getting a fair bit of the footy. He was actually gathering a fair bit of the ball down back, um, and I knew I would, I was running a fair bit that day. Um, and getting a fair bit of the ball, I got back to him in the last quarter and I said, geez, Bob, I've, uh, I've almost half run out this uh -uh. flu. <laughs> <laughs> and he just shook his head. But um, I think I might have got the three Brownlow votes. He, yeah. he, he would have got the two. So, uh, yeah. Mate, I want to talk about your your top three moments of your career personally. What would you say 
are your top, you know, three moments, favourite moments of your career? Jeez, off the cuff, that's off the tough. Cuff. But um, yeah, I think my favourite moment was the 2011 Premiership yep. against Collingwood, just because bit of relief. Uh it was more the uh, yeah partly relief was probably more after 2007, but 2011 it was uh, just the fact that we'd won so many games over that period and. Um, it was great that we were able to get the reward. You know, it was our third premiership, but it was a big game. It was mm-hmm. Collingwood. I went into the game in doubt. The game was was um, toing and froing all day. Um, unlike the 2007 one, was sort of over pretty early. Um, so just that relief at the end of it, but also just the fact that we won our third flag and it was a huge day. Uh, that was my favourite moment. And then 2007... Yeah, the, re- the relief of that day was probably one of my best moments. But um, yeah, as I probably mentioned, I think it was it was those big games we got to play in against Hawthorne in the home and away season. And then it was my favourite games to play in. The, the prelim finals are, are something it's that huge. you know, unless you've played in one, it, you just it's hard to describe the the feeling in a prelim. So much on the line. The crowds always sort of split fifty fifty. So it's, when you get to a grand final, it's sometimes not as loud as what it is at a prelim final. Yeah, because it's just fans of footy. Yeah. So I, I played the the biggest, the loudest crowd I ever heard was the 2007 prelim final against Collingwood when we won by uh, six points. That was deafening. Couldn't hear anyone on the field. Um, and then I guess the other favourite moments. Jeez. Um, I've got one here that you might remember. Personally, yeah. Uh, so Stevie Cornelio, our good friend, and uh, hopefully he's feeling okay. He's just had his surgery. He's had thirty six, and you've had, uh, he's had thirty six possessions and three goals. You've rang a teammate. This is when you're at the Giants. Yeah. And he said, "Mate, Jesus, uh, Cogs had a good game today." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. good game. It's a good game." He goes, "Imagine having eleven more score involvements, a couple more goals, and ten more goal assists, and then you went and rattled off your stats." 34 disposals, 7 goals, and 10 goal assists, totaling in 27 score involvements. You've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that, remember doing that, but... Um, was that your, Would you say statistically that's probably your, your biggest game? That was... Statistically, it was my biggest game. I was on, I was on the end of some pretty good work. Yeah. The ball, it, was like a, uh, it was against Melbourne uh, down, in, uh, down in Geelong. Uh, I... I'm happy to acknowledge that I wouldn't have been anywhere near the player uh, without the teammates I had around me. I'm actually, I mean that. Um, a lot of the time, uh, the ball movement of our team, right from the back line, we had Matthew Scarlett, who yeah. was, you know, as I talked about before, he's one of the greatest fullbacks of all time, but he, he was an attacking fullback. Yeah. Milburn, Enright, Mackie, Josh Hunt, Wojcicki coming out of our back line. Then you got Ablett, Bartel, Selwood, Kelly, these guys, it's um, in in the midfield. So, um, at times, I I just felt so fortunate to be playing with them, and that's why you have those those kind of days. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Obviously, we talk about those days, but and we touched on earlier, Stevie Baker. Who were some of the hardest opponents you would have you would have played on? Yeah, Stevie Baker was probably the toughest. Uh, there's no doubt. It's difficult when. Um, you're sidetracked the whole time. He's yeah. punching the back of your elbows. And that's it's, obviously the, the incident you guys had there when 
both. I think he was reported with ten, and you got four. Yeah, for that yeah. incident. Yeah, so he um he got me in the grand final in two thousand nine. So I think it was the the next year um, we were playing against them, um, and I you know, I didn't like his tactics in the grand final. He was scraping his studs down the back of my calves. Um, oh, my calves were shredded after it, and he'd punch in the back of my elbows. I'd never had that done to me before, but mm. when I was going to try and take the ball, um, I had no feeling in my hands, so I was just fumbling it. And um, and then it, it started again in 2010 when we had the replay. Um, I went into a contest and I, I broke my hand, and so I was sort of rubbing my hand, thinking, Geez, "What have I done here?" It's sort of pretty sore. Um, and he seen me rubbing my hand, so he started punching it. He's punching my hand anyway. I'm thinking, oh, I better go get this checked. So I went on to the, went to the interchange bench, and he'd also punched me a couple of times in the mouth um, before I ran off as well. Yeah. And it was a Friday night game, so I, I was thinking, there's going to be cameras on us. Yeah. They, everyone's been talking about when we play on each other. There's going to be a camera right on us for the whole night. So what, what's he doing? Punching me in the, in the mouth. When I went off to see the doctor, he took me down into the the rooms in, at the MCG. And he said, oh, oh, you've broken your hand. I said, all oh, right, so what's that mean? He goes, oh, you're going to need to to have surgery, get a plate put in your hand. I said, oh, okay, so what's that mean? How long am I out for? He said, oh, you'll probably be out for two or three weeks. I said, okay, so can you get me back out onto the ground? I said, can you just put put an injection in there? He goes, oh, I can put a blocker in there, send you back out. So I, um, I went back out there thinking, I'm out for two or three weeks. Baker's... Straight back onto me. I thought, no, nah, this is this is the time. <laughs> this is I've had enough of this. And um, every time the ball would go into the four line, he'd be just checking my run. So the ball's been kicked over our heads. He's got there. He's put his elbow into into my ribs, and I just swung a swung an elbow straight at him, flushed him right in the side of the eye, um, which I got reported and subsequently suspended. I think for three weeks. Three weeks. Which was perfect. Yeah. My, hand was, my hand was right to go. <laughs> and I got one back on him. That's incredible. What's that, What's the relationship like now? Have you guys spoken since post-careers and Yeah, uh, broken yeah we actually... So, uh, he's a good mate of Lenny Hazes. Yep. And uh, uh, yeah, he's a coach at the Giants. And we, we went and caught up uh, one day at a, at, a, at a pub when he was in Sydney and had a good laugh about it. I've seen him a few times since. Yeah, I think he's a great... He's actually a great character. And he's... And he's there's some players that you you don't like, but you also think, geez, I'd love to actually play alongside them. Yeah. They'd be great to play alongside. All he was ever doing is trying to do his role to the best of his ability and help his you know, team be the best they can be and you know, his teammates. So I had a lot of respect for the for him as a player. Um, didn't necessarily, as I said, didn't like his tactics, but it is what it is and it's good that you can have those battles on the field but then be able to catch up and have a laugh about it later on. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of that as well, recently, I, I think you saw last night as well, but uh, Matty Scarlett and Hayden Ballantyne's latest thing that's on the internet, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I was surprised he didn't get me to uh, send it up to get me this time too, but that was... We, we used to hate Hayden Ballantyne. He's yeah. another player. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a... I couldn't stand him when I played against him, but um, he's another one. That in recent years, I've seen it, uh, around sort of the grand final time in Melbourne, and we get along like best mates now. Yeah. <laughs> he loves talking about the horse races, and um, 
always always heard people would always say, you know, well, you'd probably get along pretty well with fellas. And um, I just couldn't bring myself to think that, yeah, maybe I would, but caught up with him a few times. He's a good fella. And that was good to see that they, they had a joke about it with Scala signing that jumper. Um, after he, he bopped him one day in the chin. <laughs> for those who haven't seen it, um, Hayden Ballantyne's brother's got a, a jumper signed for him and obviously signed by Scala. It says, Dear Hayden, below is a list of my career accomplishments in order. Punching you right on your chin, number one. Premierships in 2007, 2009, 2011. Five All-Australians, AFL Hall of Fame inductee and inductee of the legends that Geelong Footy Club signed, Matty Scarlett. P.S. Would have loved to play with you. So that's a bit sweet. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Uh, and that's 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 the same. That's that's Scarlo as well. Uh, I guess to a T, he was a bloody competitor, um, ruthless in the way he went about it, and would be happy to wouldn't care if anyone um, never liked him uh, that he played against. But um, you know, you get him off the field, and he's a, he's a good character. Good man. Um, so 2015 was your last year with the Cats. Um, how did how did all that end up? Uh, well, it ended up with me getting the uh, chop, but uh, <laughs> I had a, a bit of an interrupted uh, pre-season in, in my last year at Geelong, and um, early on in the season, I, I was playing really poorly um, to the point where about halfway through the season, I got given the the green vest. What, what was it? The red sub? vest. You, yeah. Red, red vest? No, red the, vest. the red I, I got given the green one. Oh, so you were coming on as I was. I got the given sub. the sub. Really? You'd okay. know that well, wouldn't you? Oh, no, I was more the red vest. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I got given given that one day. That was a bit of a kick to, kick in the teeth. But um, I wasn't playing great footy. And, um, yeah, it ended up uh, halfway through that season, I was sort of asking the club what what's going to happen. They weren't too sure. It got down about six weeks before the end of the season. I said, yeah, do you know what's happening? You know, I just wouldn't mind getting an indication. And then... Yeah, it got down to the final week, and I, know, I knew that they'd told Matthew Stokes and James Kelly that they were going to be moving them on, but they hadn't told me. So I just wanted to know. I went in there and asked them, and um, they said, oh, look, we still haven't made a decision. This is on the uh, Monday. And then on the Tuesday, they called me in, and they said, look, we're, uh, we're not going to um, be continuing on with you. And I said, okay. Um, didn't say too much more after that. I, I went home. Uh, I thought that in the in the probably the six weeks leading up to that point, I'd done enough to prove that I was worthy of another year. Yeah. Uh, but I think at at that time, I think they'd made some decisions. I think they were bringing in Dangerfield, Henderson, Scott Selwood. They're bringing in some younger guys into the club, and they probably needed to free some salary cap room. I was prepared to play for a lot less, but um, it it is what it is. Um, I still thought at the end of that that. Uh, I had a bit of good footy left in me and then the opportunity came up to join uh, the Giants. Yeah. And how did all that come about? Was that pretty much like straight away? Is that... Uh, no, it was a couple of weeks later. I sort of uh, you know, sat back and let the dust settle a little bit and then uh, caught up with a couple of clubs and, and the Giants were one of them. And I think... Um, yeah, you know, I never considered, never thought I would consider moving to Sydney to play footy. Yeah. Um, but uh, it appe- appealed to me because there was a really young group. I could see from you know externally there was a really talented team that were capable of some big improvement. And I, 
envisaged that later on uh, after my footy career finished that I would transition into coaching and I thought well that's probably the best thing for me it'll take me out of my comfort zone I mean it's a big move to move my family up to Sydney but I, I can see um, I can see that club I can see those that group uh, maybe achieving something in the really near future and it's a young group that I can start to work with and, and that'll help me transition so uh, really glad I made that decision. Moved to the Giants. It's a great, great club. You know, just loved my two years there, yeah. and and got to work with those players. And and as I said, I transitioned into coaching partly due to, um, you know, what what that club was able to do for me. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And obviously, a good mutual friend of ours in in Tony Green. Um, Who? Tony. And Tony. Yeah, Tony's his new nickname. He hates it, so I just can't, <laughs> I can't stop calling him. Um, do you see a bit of your, I know you guys are very close mates, but do you, did you see a bit of yourself in him? Is that why you sort of like to... Do you think you took him under your wing a bit? Obviously, he's always talking about lessons that you've taught him and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've probably... Uh, I don't know if you call it taking him under my wing or whatever, but we're, in, I guess, in the same forward line... I was working closely with those younger players, trying to pass on as much knowledge as I could. We just struck up a good relationship, like I did with uh, Jezza and Johnny and some other guys. So, um, yeah, I did see a little bit of of myself in him. Uh, he's a bit of a um, bit of a lad. Uh, had his troubles, but uh, when you get to know him, you just realise that he's just a a well natured, you know, respectful uh, kid that. Uh, has loved a good time and you know similar to myself. Um, but uh, when he when he gets on the footy field, he's he's got white line fever yeah. and he and he has a crack and uh, he'd do anything for his teammates. And it's probably underestimated what he's like around you know just the change rooms. You know at that club, he's one of the most popular players there, and um, and that's why I I, I liked him so much. He uh, he has got a funny rep because it's the one question people always ask me: What's Toby like? And for what he's known and what he actually is, is is completely opposite. Now these days, he drinks tea, reads a paper, <laughs> and watches sunsets. That's all yeah. he does. Yeah, no, he used to. He, he enjoyed that. He um, he actually bought a house two doors down from me, uh, which which had a little balcony, and he'd sit out there on the on the balcony on the balcony and legs crossed, <laughs> um, reading a financial planning book. And just watch the sun go down. Yeah, with a cup of tea. He's so, an old um, soul. Yeah, he is. Mate, uh, the transition into coaching, obviously you coach now with the Swans. Um, I heard it wasn't all smooth sailing, though, to start with. Uh, first day, you rock up to the club. Computer's not working. You get the, I bo- uh, the IT boys to come down. Uh, they let you know, <laughs> mate, it wasn't plugged in. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one, whoever's fed you that one, or you just made that up. But. Uh, <laughs> No, well, it's it's interesting. I I hadn't picked up a computer. I never spent too much time on on a computer. Um, even you know, when when you're playing, you obviously don't open a laptop. And I didn't used to watch my edits on the computers I had at the club. I'd watch them on the news when I got home after a day. But um, <laughs> so no, it was a bit of a. It did uh, tire me out early uh, getting getting used to the laptop, but I'm all over it now. What sort of coach are you? What would you What would you say you like? Uh, I'm not too sure. You'd have to ask the players mm. that, but um, I guess I'm pretty passionate. Uh, I've I've grown up just loving the game, and um, again, st- still very fortunate to be involved in the AFL system and 
it's a great place to work because you get to spend time with you know, young blokes who are passionate about what they do and and I get great enjoyment out of out of helping them out and seeing them improve. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh mate, you haven't lost it. Um played a game a few weeks ago with Manly. Yep. Six goals. Uh five, I think. Five. Five or six. One five of them goals was worth two though. One was incredible with the, the <laughs> vision that went viral with all the boys watching on the sideline. But you came out of, with a little bit of an injury. Yeah. I uh I ruptured the um the tendon in my finger. So uh, leading into that game, at, so at the Swans, we've only got a limited amount of coaches, so that you need to be on the track helping yeah. out with the balls and sometimes joining in the match play because we've had injuries. And so Jeremy Laidler, who's our reserves coach, mm-hmm. development coach at the Swans, a week before I was planning to play, uh, he'd done his ACL playing basketball. And... I remember he's he's coming to the club and he said, I've done my ACL and Horse wasn't happy. Uh, he's going, you blokes, you, know, you shouldn't be playing sport. You know, you've got to, got to think about this. It's important that you, you're injury-free. And I, I'd already whispered to him that I was going to go and have a run for Manly. So in the Manly game, I mean, it's, I've, I've gone into a contest and I busted the tendon on my finger, which meant your finger just stays, just stays straight. Yep. And... Um, for a week there, you're supposed to get it operated on straight away to get the best result. And I couldn't bring myself to tell him that I, I might need surgery. So I waited a week and I'm I'm tossing up whether I get the surgery or not and tell him. And then I eventually, I eventually did. He wasn't wrapped. Um, and I've been in a, a cast for the last six weeks. So I only just got out of that. But um, we got through. Fantastic. It wasn't ideal. <laughs> Oh man, the horse, the horse, I don't know him from a bar of soap, but he, he seems like a scary man, to be honest. I, I'm happy I probably haven't crossed his path um, too often. Uh, Stevie, mate, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you. Um, coming on the show, um, incredible story. Uh, if you want to hear more, Stevie's got his own book, The Cat with the Giant Story. So make sure you get in there, read that one. If not, just listen to the podcast. And, uh, mate, really appreciate you coming on the show. No worries, Dill. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. The Dylan Friends podcast is produced by me, Dylan, and is edited by my great mate, Ryan Miller. To keep notified on the release, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you listen. If you want to see more of myself and the podcast, please follow at Dill Buckley and at Dylan Friends on Instagram. And if you want to contact me directly, please email dillandfriends at outlook.com. And don't forget to be yourself because everyone else is taken. Was legitness. <laughs> was that it? Is that the word? <laughs>